0: this is sustainable conversation season two last episode actually this is the last episode of the broom season number four how do you feel with that hello everybody and welcome to broom you will not get there on a road bike and this is sustainable conversation season number two episode number four the last episode of the sustainable conversation the last episode of the broom wagon podcast season number four well i feel a bit sad i have to say i feel a bit sad but i really like whatever we accomplished this year but we're not talking about that now probably we're going to talk about that at the end of the episode for now i just want to say thank you to you to listen to all this amazing conversation thank you to everybody who walk with me and talk with me in this season number two of the sustainable conversations it was great fun and we loved having conversation of something different than classic sustainability but a bit more going in a different direction and this is going to be exactly also the idea of the episode of today but first of all remember that you can share subscribe uh, what else? Um, rate, comment, do whatever you want about the Broomwagon podcast in any of your favorite hosts or application that you're using to listening to podcasts, please do it because this is going to be super important for this platform here and remember as well that down here in the description below you can find two supporting links one is the coffee link that gives me uh, gives you the possibility of paying me a coffee and then support this podcast in order to be independent also in the future and also the link to the covid jar so the link directly to the website of the sea watch where you can drop some coins and support the amazing world of Sea Watch with saving the people the refugees from the Central Mediterranean Sea and uh, everything related to that you know what I mean down there you will find the link remember also that down there in the episode notes, yes, this is the name in the episode notes, you will find as well the link to get your free region on Komoot or just you can go to komoot.com g and write broom and then you can unlock your premium experience for an extra region. Let's jump back in this sustainable conversation. Season number two, I was still missing one piece. We talked about maintaining and repairing, we talked about swapping and not producing, we talked about developing strategies for a bit more of consistency, as well as supporting the historical heritage and cultural heritage of places or the trails that we ride. I was still missing a piece. The piece that I was missing is going back to the corporate side, Small business, though, because a lot of small businesses are making things that are already sustainable without moving any other bigger production, because that's the only way to sustain them. That's the only way to sustain their own business. Plus, there are so many other ideas that are around in the production world like the circular design model. Well, I decided to approach Iris. Iris was Iris of the Iris brand. She was already in this podcast. We made an episode a lot of years ago, but we didn't talk about her brand. So I contacted her to talk a bit more about their sustainable model for the business. And then also Lexi uh, also part of the team in the communication and marketing side, join the conversation because we wanted to talk about the workshop that they have done in the circular um, design model, plus some of the lines, some of the products, of the garments of the features that they developed from uh, other little design piece and other material, plus also having a look to what's in the future. So yeah, we talked for about one hour and we talked about all these little things and we talked as well about inclusivity. Take your time and listen to it. I think it's really worth it. So, sustainable Conversation, Caesar 2, episode 4, the last episode of this season and of the mini-series, and today I'm super happy of having two guests with me. One is a recurrent guest, because she was here already some time ago. actually remember that in that time I was recording in my cupboard in Berlin, so not in, into that, and I was there trying not to make so much noise. Hopefully today the sound is gonna be a bit better, at least on my side. And the second one is another person that I met in Morocco one year ago? One year and some time ago? While she was actually on the rider's side. So I was really annoying then when you were riding, I think, Lexi. I will try <laughs> to start with the boom by mispronouncing completely your both name and surname. So today they are with me and I'm super happy for that. Here is Lapendel and Lexi Brown. How does it sound?
1: Yeah, well, I should say it's very easy, Lexi Brown, but uh, Edith, that's of course quite difficult. So. Okay. <laughs> So, Alexi was good. So, Alexi
0: (laughs) Brown was good while Lily's Lapender was a mess. Does it work? Uh, It's
1: pretty good. It's pretty
0: good. That's super awesome. Thanks a lot for being here. And as you know, everybody, well, probably something is pretty straightforward and self-explanatory is that thing that actually iris is behind probably i would say uh, the starter the founder of iris the amazing garment cycling apparels brand. i'm gonna let you make the presentation of it but also lexi is now inside of the team because i'm so happy on saying that actually iris is kind of growing because a lot of people are getting to know what's inside of the brand and which one are the values and whatever, and people are recognizing it and there are some more sales and everything is expanding, and then super happy when brands in this way are moving in the right direction, and this is the one. So today we are going to talk about sustainability in the Iris brand, but I'm pretty sure that we are going to move around also some other topic. Maybe we can start by... Probably not everybody knows you, so we can start actually with a little presentation about yourself. And I would say that probably should I lead this conversation? Iris, do you want to start? Because probably you are used to uh, (laughs) recording with me and when my stupid things are insane.
1: Yeah, I I actually remember the first uh, podcast we did. I think you were above a cafe or something with very noisy background. We had to stop a few times. So congrats on your... uh, Move.
0: <laughs> you know what Iris? if i can interrupt you for one second i was in the cupboard of my apartment and there were construction be- construction works oh, yeah. on the room just above <laughs> me and today they are cutting threes they're cutting trees sorry really in the corner of my flat i think it's a constant <laughs> whatever we are recording together there's some noise coming from outside i think you're gonna listen to some of that but by the way sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, first of all, yeah, thanks for for having us both. It's really great to be back and chat with you. And uh, it's also uh, yeah, really nice. Um, so, little introduction. Yeah. Uh, Iris Slappendel. I'm I'm uh, I'm a designer. I'm a, pro- a former professional cyclist. And when I retired in 2016, I started to build my own brand of cycling apparel amongst some other projects that I'm, uh, I'm doing. And um, yeah, so that's called Edis I ride in Style. And it's, this is the, the fourth year. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like you say, it's slowly growing and more people get to know about it. So that, that's really cool. It's really, uh, it's really uh, um, a big passion of mine and fun to do.
0: That's great. Just ask you one question, just sharp, straight away. Are you gonna be at the Paris Roubaix this weekend, or?
1: I am because, and that's actually really cool because I also have another job. I work for Eurosport as a cycling commentator, and I will be commentating from the motorbike in the race. So, yes, <laughs> if you wanna have a good laugh, I think watch Paris Roubaix on Eurosport.
0: <laughs> Perfect, but in the Dutch side, right?
1: No, uh, international. That's super so, great.
0: Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because with us also here. Paris Roubaix. This episode is gonna go live straight after. The Paris Roubaix, but this is going to be the first yeah. edition for women of racing Paris Roubaix, right?
1: Yes, that's right. And that's yeah.
0: super amazing. This is part as well of your other uh, task, yeah. job, responsibility on. Uh, uh the Cycling Alliance and something that went went live and that's a great achievement
1: true yeah no we also uh, and also Lexi's involved in that so we run the Cyclist Alliance which is an independent um, union for a professional female cyclist and uh, yeah that, that's a really great organization and then uh, I do some work for Eurosport as well but that's of course more uh, a separate thing but yeah lots of uh, development in women's cycling so we should probably <laughs> you can dedicate a whole podcast on, on that on itself <laughs>
0: Let's say that, that if anybody is a bit more interested in what, on what, knowing what is the Cycling Alliance, what actually uh, the job behind the commitment and the achievement, everybody can listen to this episode that we were mentioning before at the beginning, my episode together with Iris that we made something like back in 2018, 2017. Maybe if you want people just comment, write me or whatever, write to everybody who asked me, we can make a second episode of that or we can probably go a bit more through what since then till now but let's move uh, a bit uh, let's say further to that Lexi give us an intro about you
2: yeah so I met Iris uh, working at the Cyclists Alliance um, and my kind of previous career experience is working in um, sports apparel brands like Nike and Adidas Um, so yeah applied for a job with Iris and started working with her um, over a year ago now Um, Sort of helping with all the marketing and communications um, and some of the more kind of strategic projects together, um, specifically on sustainability as well. And then I think, Stefano, I met you in Morocco on the Atlas Mountain Race in the middle of nowhere in the desert.
0: (laughs) Uh, It was in the, I think it was day two. If I'm not completely wrong, and it was, I, I we met actually in day two in different situation. The first one was uh, straight before that crazy washboard riverbed section that it was super crazy. I actually saw also people living in something like in caves in this old riverbed because yeah. it was super hot and stuff. We met there. We met the day before in day number one at the beginning of, um, actually at the beginning at the end of the first climb. This was another thing, and then we met. Do remember? Is it was still day two or day? three when you got so many pinch uh yeah pinch stuff Punch, or whether yeah, punctures and I was stuff it
2: as a pair and my uh
0: yeah it's true okay
2: boyfriend had suffered multiple punches probably because we were carrying too much water or something so uh <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah. but yeah it was definitely an adventure um, and a cool race to be part of
0: no it was uh, no it, i remember that it was really great. it was the rust race that I, t- I took part as a media person actually uh and it was yeah, beginning of twenty before all the wait
2: for all the craziness
0: (laughs) yes i have here actually i don't have so much money because i donate already everything that was here do you know what's that the The
2: boom wagon covid jar
0: (laughs) basically this is a covid jar uh from this beginning of the season now is the last episode of the season so probably we can wrap it up in this way all the time that myself and my guests are saying the word covid or now there is actually quarantine vaccine or whatever involved to that um Actually, I drop one coin here because I can completely understand that, especially in 2021, the 2020, we were pretty sick, I mean, and tired of listening to this word and everybody talking about that. I was trying to avoid it as much as possible. Yeah. But if you have to put it in a contest, some stuff, and this, for example, is the perfect case you need to mention it and at least making some good things out of it by dropping a coin and giving all the money that went here and that are here to a charity and actually donated everything to the Sea Watch that are saving um, uh, the refugees from Central Mediterranean. You're also doing something good. And I believe that actually Sea Watch saving people on one side is actually touch base on so many other things. So I was super happy of collecting 400 I mentioned, we mentioned a lot of times, Covid, I think, but we actually we reached uh, 400 euros. Yes, 400 euros. And then I donated already everything to SeaWatch. And now there is the little bucket there. And if anybody else wants to contribute, the link is down to the, in the notes. And uh, it would be amazing, actually, to arrive also to the contribution to the listeners or whoever to arrive to 500 bucks by the end of the year. But that's another story. We're going to mention COVID another couple of times. So probably, I believe that I need to donate another 10 bucks uh, to the SeaWatch. Yeah. Just little intro. I, all the time it happens. So the first time that anybody mentioned COVID, I need to make this little intro. But yeah, no, Morocco was uh, just uh, amazing. And as I remember, in Morocco, I actually also met Kinda was there for sure, and uh, what's the name? The Kinda's partner. Johan, exactly. I met him as well. And he, we talked a lot about the Iris bibs because it was finally the jumping in some men's bib shorts on uh, on the Iris collection. And this was great. Yeah. I remember that I talked about Iris a lot, but there was also Andrea uh riding with yeah. uh, uh with an iris, yeah, an iris kit. Yeah. product
2: testing out there
0: <laughs> yes there was a lot of it and actually i love that. i remember that actually i also uh, chatted with you iris a couple of times where we talked about that during, during the race it was a great event missing going to the races hopefully it's going to happen soon but yeah great so seems like a lo- a big family gathering here i love these things uh maybe just to summarize a bit because before jumping directly into the conversations of sustainability i would love to ask if you can give us a bit more of introduction on what theories represent. so we talked already a lot about sustainability we talk actually of development of women's sports and then there is a lot of inclusion or whatever can you just give us a little intro not the kind of no i will go just with this give us a little let's say background story and everything related to that because it's very interesting
1: okay well i think um yeah, like I said in the introduction, I, I've been a pro cyclist. I have a background as a product engineer. Uh, so that's that's been my uh, the, the thing I my, I studied. Um, and then, you know, I, of course, gained a lot of experience like using a lot of different brands during my career. And, um, and I also did already some design work in cycling apparel during that time. And when I retired, I just felt the need to create something Uh, which first of all is really made for women is very comfortable and is also like a very high end product uh, which I thought at that time was really lacking in the market Um, and also something that was really standing out and it's not like the typical girly designs but yeah so I just wanted to create something that I would you know want to take out of my closet and would really fit like the things I would wear, like in in daily life, and uh, reflect a little bit my personal style, and that was sort of the, the 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 thing I started with when I when I created the brand. And of course, yeah, during the years it slowly developed, and uh, I learned a lot uh, also on the on the apparel and, and textile side because yeah, I have a, a background in in product engineering, which is a little bit different than uh, than than apparel of course um so yeah that's how the brand uh, grow and and i think i've always stick to that thing of um yeah creating something that i really love to wear um the way it looks but also how it feels and how it fits and uh, the quality etc and i'm i'm the yeah, I'm still the the, the the lead designer, the only designer, so I design the patterns, but I also design the fit, etc. and I work together with uh, an Italian um, uh, manufacturer, so it's all made in Europe. It's still very small, so I'm super happy that Lexi jumped on board last year to help me out with, uh, like she said, with more of the communication side. Um, and then there's another Iris who also helps me more on the logistical side. So, yeah, like I share a, a workspace in Rotterdam with, uh, with Jürgen, you just mentioned, who's a, yeah. a, a wheel builder, And there I have also my warehouse and, and my studio. And so it's still really small scale. Uh, so we're we're doing everything with the three of us, uh, but I love that actually because you have a lot of control and you have you have the communication with the customers. You learn a lot, and yeah, I think that's that's a little bit where we are. And and most of all, I think, I mean, I took myself as a. Um, as the as the start to create something that I wanted to wear, but of course during the years I learned a lot about my customers and what other women wants to wear, and I think that really is how we developed. Like we, it's not just making apparel; it's really giving uh, women uh, a piece of apparel that they that make them feel really confident on the bike. That gives them that extra. Bit of fun, but also they wear it and they feel like, oh, yeah, it's just great. I can ride my bike and feel really good
2: and I look cool. And yeah. And I think, like, working with Iris, both from the Cyclist Alliance and from the brand perspective, like, it's really clear she has this activist mindset. And, you know, cycling as a sport generally is quite rule based, it has quite a history. And we just really wanted to showcase how Iris designs kind of break away from that expected form and they can allow women to kind of just express their personality on the bike and not feel judged and you know it's it's quite an intimidating sport to get into and we just really wanted women to be able to not feel judged or needing to conform to these kind of cultures or societal pressures and riding a bike is just generally fun and it makes you feel happy and free and essentially that's the kind of ethos and the mission of the brand is just to get more more booties on bikes and kind of making sure that we're designing apparel that fits all the different shapes and sizes um, and abilities as well that come into the sport. Because it should be the most accessible sport, but actually it can be quite exclusive and intimidating and that's not what we want. so. Yeah, it's been really interesting, kind of getting to know Iris as the founder and the designer behind the brand, and building those kind of brand values and mission statements, so that we always bring everything back to that. And um, yeah,
0: no, that's uh, that's super great. And actually, I love the uh, the point that you stressed on. Yes, cycling by nature, right, right? Uh, has to be the most accessible sport because all of us, when we were kids, we were riding the bike. All of us put different effort and different things, but still we are all together when we are riding, riding the bike. It's yourself and your bike and the nature outside, super accessible, nothing else. But because of Yes, I can be harsh on that because of marketing rules. And I say marketing rules because I'm part of the, anyway, so the marketing community, but because of marketing rules in order to, uh, I don't know, give a bit more of a, an higher price point on one side and giving actually a bit more of fidelization. That's another thing that we can say. People like to split up cyclists themselves in chunks and letting people see each other let's say with a bit of sucks suspect let's put it in this way and uh, instead of putting everybody together you're just creating tribes and there are a lot of brands that call they like to call themselves a tribe against this one and against the other one instead of saying okay we're all together let's do all together just move around with our different style just to have fun people say no you need to just to be completely sincere. I think it was an exaggeration, but also on the other side, calling it in this way, the Velominati rules, for example. I really think that that's so much crappy because you're putting rules, you cannot do this. If you want to go on the bike, you cannot do that. Of course, they are ironical. But on the other side, they are still saying, you cannot do this, you cannot do that, is putting some barriers on cycling that should not have it. And having conversation with people behind brands that actually support the inclusivity on that gives a bit, opens a bit the window the window of the sticky of the stinky rooms where actually we ended up being as a cyclist right and actually opening the window and getting some fresh air inside makes a bit more of funny ideas and nice colors as well because otherwise we don't want to have only people wearing black riding the bike we want some more colors as well because colors is creativity and actually pops a bit out on the word that actually on the door on the closet where we closed ourselves i don't know if it makes sense but yeah that's what it is i try to put a lot of passion when i actually make this statement and sometimes i think it's needed just talking loudly about inclusion it's uh it's something really important
1: yeah i think you're right and i think also because you know when i started i and like i said before the show i talked to you i don't know i don't know anything about marketing um, <laughs> yeah. but, but that's okay because it. i think it, it, it's yeah you then you stay really close to to yourself and your initial uh, uh, objectives and i think it's also what makes the brand stand out like for example, when I when I think about photo shoots or creative photo shoots, I really think about like what I would do as a cyclist and what I would love. And sometimes I go completely over the top, but at least that, you know, attracts attention without even having that marketing behind. But And sometimes we even like take a little bit sort of the piss out of, if I can say that, out of like yeah like the usual marketing thing of cycling brands because you know we all know it looks amazing to ride up on on a beautiful mountain pass and and you're like 50 55 kilograms and you know yeah sure it looks amazing but who looks actually like that so i it, we all probably hang out sweaty after a ride in front of a supermarket eating chips. That's more like how that's I right. look after a ride, anyway. <laughs> so I think that uh, that's also what what we want to show with the brand. How yeah, and I think that that really appeals to yeah to a lot of people
0: yeah yeah actually two things i want to say that i remember that actually i don't remember when it happened but we had this conversation when i saw one of your photo shooting and i actually remember that i messaged you saying ah look i think it's super great actually having different ages different shapes and different personalities on uh, a promotional shooting i think it's super great and actually you both you are doing that now and that's Super great and super amazing. And actually, the second thing that I want to say is about the supermarket shooting. It's the last one that you have done, probably that went live. Let's put it in this way. I loved it, and actually, that's something that probably also Lexi can relate. During my ultra endurance event or whatever, the best shots, the best laughs, the best conversations and recording that I got. It was in front of so of tiny shops with a lot of people of the of the race, a lot of riders hanging out outside. All of us hungry, all of us just ready to do something, but all of us happy and full of endorphins because we did a longer day on the ride. And that's really, I think it's a great characteristic, right? Something like finding cyclists outside of a cafe, outside of a shop, or ultra cyclists outside of a a huge shop, just a, a big shop, sorry just having fun and, and hanging out and this is really spreading the spirit of cycling because that's what it is.
2: Yeah that was the grocery run collection. Yeah. It can definitely relate to the feeding frenzy on any ultra endurance wow. event. I think I remember eating bread covered in like cream cheese multiple times just as many as I could get in my mouth.
0: Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
2: and
1: it's you. You mentioned the uh, Velominati because Emma Pulley, which we all know, and and is a good friend of mine. Uh, always, when I make some designs, I I send them to Emma, and I say, "What do you think?" And I also I always. Um, when I start designing, I have a kind of a subject or a theme in mind, and and then but then I need to come up with like actual names for designs, and I always ask Emma, hey, what do you think? So she always likes to brainstorm a little bit on on uh, on names for for jerseys, for example, and she always comes up with like super crazy funny things because she's also so against the fellow thing <laughs> and, that, and i think that really helps yeah <laughs> oh yeah I, I say it's so funny because we've been uh teammates for a few years emma and i and of course we were always part of that uniform and and there is no more rules than in professional cycling it's all about rules you know so it's it's kind of funny we completely yeah had like a, a breakaway from that
0: <laughs> no that's super so great i remember as that's what i was saying i remember that uh, i had a conversation so once a bit of time ago i uh, sent out um a newsletter and it was exactly that i think i was going against some velominati stuff or it was i was actually making some uh, let's say um Yes, I was writing some lines against or whatever, something like putting on the other side of the volatility rules, and I was at the same time I was also trying to, um, let's say, a bit more debunk the myth of the M plus one. And straight up, I sent an email something like at four o'clock and four fifteen, uh, Emma messaged me saying exactly, "I know what you feel," and this and that, something like starting the conversation about let's let's say we are in the same direction so yeah it's true i completely understand why actually emma as well is a bit against this venominati thing and uh, i completely see the point you are into rules most of your life why should you put also some rules also when you're riding the bike and you want to put for example uh, the oil from the tuna fish can on your chain because you don't have anything else you should <laughs> i'm i'm mentioning it because i've seen this happening on the atlas Monte race of 2020 at least three persons that i know they actually made this thing and if you can do it why not to do it actually it keeps a bit more yeah. the dust away from your chain <laughs> but yeah going now a bit more into the i think we're going to talk again about the M plus one rules and stuff like this but let's move a bit more into a broader topic uh, was actually into the concept of uh, iris the brand uh already the um, the sustainability side or actually this was something that actually grew later on
2: I oh. I say 100% that it it's grown with the brand like myself i'm not a product designer and i'm not a specialist in sustainability design principles and Um, Actually, as soon as I joined, Iris suggested signing up for the Circo sustainability course. Um, So we completed that. um, I think it was maybe across three months and we could use sort of a live case study um, to build a circular product. Um, So we kind of worked on that design case study throughout the program. Um, But I think for Iris, it's as a brand, we're so young and small still that there's no kind of external pressure to make huge profits anytime soon and we can test um different strategies different business models different product designs um to work out kind of which sustainable um or circular business models work best for the brand and we can yeah just be completely flexible about how we we build those strategies with the business as it grows um so yeah it was really exciting to kind of do that project um, with Circo with Iris um, and brainstorm new ideas for the business
1: yeah
2: and, then, and I think I want to add I
1: think um, I think the Circo course also really showed me actually uh, I mean I learned a lot about sustainability but I also learned a lot of the things we're doing are already very sustainable just simply because we are so small and you're also forced to to have a kind of a sustainable setup and I think that's also like even when when I did my my studies on on, um, product design back in I don't know 2003 2004 um sustainability was not even a topic you know at that time like I can't imagine it now but I was creating bags out of recycled material and from the beginning of the of the brand I made, for example, merino base layers out of that stock material that I could get my hands on, or other uh, products. But that was not specifically because of the sustainability mindset, but more also because I wasn't able to buy 300 meter of merino fabric, you know. So I was looking for ways to to uh, to create really small uh, quantity products. And, uh, but the circle course, yeah, like like Lexi said, it really, it really helped uh, to think it through and and yeah, to f- <clears throat> to also see the the opportunities of, I mean, there's a lot of challenges of being a very small player, but it also gives a lot of opportunities because, yeah, there isn't that that uh, external pressure on making profit. and and we can still really, decide completely ourselves how we how we make products and where we get our materials from and etc so there's also a lot of control
0: yeah 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 um can we just can i just ask you to make maybe a step back can you tell us more about two things first thing was actually the you call it circular production right or uh, something similar and as well in what did consist the in what the circular workshop consists
2: Yeah, so the um, Circo kind of workshop was, um, it's a Dutch-based company, I think, that ran the program, Um, but it taught us about different circular business models, circular design strategies, and then we used a live case study. So Iris and I decided to choose whether we could um, design and create a bib short essentially that had a lifetime guarantee so if you bought this one pair of shorts you'd never need to buy another pair for the rest of your life and that obviously comes down to lots of different challenges that you need to solve so the way you actually make and assemble the product um, needs to have materials or components that all degrade at the same time so you're not having to or it has a component that can easily be disassembled and replaced or repaired um and so we've had we're doing lots of kind of research into the chamois materials and whether that can be easily detached from the shorts. Um and also then you've got to think about all the different designs of shorts for different body shapes and sizes. Um so it's a really obviously complex design process. Um, but has kind of given us the knowledge to work out um the different options that we can research. Um, and then there's a whole other end of it in terms of materials that you source and where they come from um and then afterwards how those products are cleaned and repaired and like repaired or upgraded and so it really gave us that whole kind of concept to creation to back into the circular um model um kind of I guess learning it was a very kind of knowledge-driven um course um so yeah that's um it's on the roadmap, but it will obviously take a long time for Iris and I to, to come up with the final product. Um, again, because we're a small company and we don't necessarily have that expertise in-house, so we've got to test lots of new designs, um, and that obviously takes time and, and resource. So, But it's a really exciting project to work on. Um, and then obviously we learned about general strategies that you can implement in a linear-based um, model to at least reduce your carbon footprint and make more sustainable choices that lower the impact on the environment. Um, Some, which Iris mentioned, she was already doing before. Um, So for example, like all the Iris collections, um, there's never any overproduction. We forecast really carefully. So every item finds a home. to make sure that none of that product is diverted into a landfill just because of the pure fact that you can't sell it, which happens with a lot of organisations. I mean, there's even horror stories of people burning collections because they haven't sold. Um, And that is very common in in the fashion industry. And then one of the really exciting projects that Iris launched this year was the revamp collection. maybe iris can talk more about that but it's just a really creative way for us to experiment as well with testing new product designs in a sustainable way
1: yeah yes yeah exactly so so that revamp collection is a little bit what, what we already did in in the past few years and um and yeah we sort of like revamped it yeah i don't know how to <laughs> It really well, but the thing is that you know sometimes you just I just have in mind like oh I would like to make this product or this would be really cool, um, but yeah again you know for every item uh, we buy the, the the fabrics and all the the zippers materials etc. So there's always this minimum order quantity that uh, that you're struggling with, and with the revamp um, I work with dead stock fabrics. So I work with uh, with a, a lady here in the Netherlands and she uh, does a lot of uh, fabric sourcing, etc. And whenever she comes into a, a factory and she sees like a fabric that she thinks like, oh, Iris might like this for... For a product, and I always tell her like, "Oh, I want to make a batch of T-shirts or arm armors or gravel jerseys," or, and then it's like, "Okay, maybe Iris can use this." Use this, and then she let me know, and uh, and I, yeah, if if I think the fabric is really suitable for the item I have in mind, um, then we create a completely new product with it. Uh, which are also made in in uh, Europe most most of the time in in Portugal, um, and then sometimes it's fifty t-shirts or items. Uh, sometimes it's only thirty. Um, we made a batch of arm warmers from some colors. We had only five. Other colors we had twenty. You know, so that's uh, that's what happens then. And uh, yeah, we did this uh, these these gravel t-shirts with a big pocket on the back, which I had in mind would be super useful (laughs) and I just wanted to test it. So we made 25 t-shirts and, um, and then also um, so that's really the revamp collection and we will keep that going. Uh, There's another long sleeve uh, technical t-shirt coming up now Um, also in, in a pretty small batch um, and in a completely different color. And then the fabric is slightly different, but so that, that's well, it, I would just say, like every time, um, um, yeah, new products will come by, and it's a great way to experiment with new products, but also to make just simply very creative and original items. That uh, yeah, you will probably won't see five other people's people on your right wearing the same t-shirt, which is also something I would really like. Um, and then, um, and then with the revamp collection, we also made a series of bar bags, which was really nice. Uh, I think
0: you sold them out in something like a couple of days or stuff like this. It was a couple, a snap. Of,
1: hours, couple was. of hours, exactly. It was
0: really a flash.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, true. And yeah. And, um, that was also really cool because, yeah, like I said, when when I was still studying, I made uh, bags from uh, recycled material and, and I made my own bike bags, etc. But I'm, you know, I've already do so much stuff, so I couldn't like also uh, sit behind the sewing machine and create a whole range of uh, of bar bags. So I partnered with um, Voskea, who has like um, a small atelier in in Wageningen in the Netherlands. She makes uh, bike bags, custom-made bike bags, and I got like my hands on like a uh, like a surf um, uh, sail, a boat sail, um, and um, from from sea to summit we got like a bunch of um, uh, mattresses, um, air mattresses that were. Um, Yeah, I went back for uh, guarantees or what guarantee or those kind of reasons. So, yeah, she made a, a lot of cool bar bags with all that material uh and um yeah they sold out really quickly and there will be more made in the future as soon as we get like for example more mattresses or other kind of items but we will not buy specifically new materials to make those bar bags because that's not uh that's not the idea behind it it's really to give an old product a new life and um and yeah i think it's it's turned out really nice
0: no, that's great. And actually I love the concept. I don't know how much it stays into the circular model, but something like getting some small batches of material or fabric or whatever. And or all things and then making up make it become something else and actually producing them in a way that if tomorrow, maybe not, but the, the bar bag or whatever it is um, is not useful anymore or I mean probably it breaks in some parts or whatever you can dismount them and put something else, and do something else out of the material. Something like creating two things. First of all, materials, and using materials that can be reused over and over, so pretty uh, tough, pretty strong, that can be reused over and over, and actually making also a production that can be, uh, let's say, can be actually assembled and disassembled or repaired easily. This is more or less the concept, right?
2: Yeah, so it's more about giving these materials a second life. Um, So it's not completely circular, um, but it keeps them in in use for longer. Um, And I think we also learned from that that even just simply extending the life of products um, has a, I mean, I think there's a stat that an extra nine months of active use reduces the carbon waste and water footprints for about 20 to 30 percent each. Um, And... That you can cut, there's lots of different ways that you can keep products in use for longer. So that's the types of fabrics you use and making sure that they're more durable so they last longer. It's educating your consumer on how they care and actually maintain for the product. So how they wash them, making sure the zips are done up on the jerseys before they go in and they're only washed at 30 degrees, etc. So um there's a lot of education that we want to do. Um obviously taking back products to repair them or providing kind of self-repair toolkits to our customers so um they can also repair them and looking for local repair centres so that they then don't need to ship them back and forth, which also kind of adds the carbon footprint. So there's lots of kind of keeping items in use and second life strategies that we implement already within the business. Um, but I think the long-term vision is that circular model and design strategy um, so that these products are always in use and that we've got a clear kind of process to keep those materials um in use always and keep them out of the landfill completely
0: yeah another thing that actually i want to just uh, something like cherry pick and put again on the table on um on the conversation that we had you know what actually getting back for example on the m plus one stuff and whatever i believe that actually from the concept of iris And everything that actually is there, all the materials, all the garments, all the items that are there. Another thing that actually, in my opinion, uh, something like make the lifespan of these products a bit longer is that everything, everything really, that seems like is produced and seems like is sold uh, from the Iris website is actually kind of unique. So, because what's the thing? From season to season, you want to get a new product just because you want to change, for example, I don't know, the color or, yeah, basically the color or just the design or whatever. While with the Iris product, the thing that I can see is actually that every product is quite of unique in terms, of course, of shape, use... And we were talking, for example, before about the the gravel T-shirts with a big uh, kangaroo pocket on the back. These are stuff that are really unique. So once that you have one product like this, and on the other side, you know that is kind of also coming in a small batch. So you're not gonna find the same product next year exactly the same. You're gonna find something different. The first thing that you have, you want to keep it forever and ever. So you want to maintain a bit more. You want to use a bit more. You don't want just to replace it with another crappy product uh, just for the sake of changing the design that's i think is also another aspect on sustainable uh, sustainable production that always very often is overseen because if all of us and I put myself as well in the bucket because most of the time I also produce my own garments with my logo, with my stuff because they look good or whatever. But if all the time we are producing the same things year over year by only changing the design without giving without giving anything of unique on that, the only thing that you are nurturing is actually the mass production, the minimum. How do you call them? Uh, well, I don't yeah, know. order quantities. Exactly yeah. the but minimum that's order exact, quantities. That's exactly it. Well, if you're putting something a bit more unique, then you are not keen, first of all, producing the same crap over and over, and second thing, not to buy the same crap over and over. And I say that because we were discussing about that. I moved apartment. And then fortunately, I had my mom visiting me and helping me putting stuff together. Well, I was putting in my back in my guardrobe all the bicycle stuff that I have, and then I thought, I don't want to buy new bicycle things for at least four years, because I have so many things, and my mom as well said, why do you have all these things? And then I said, okay, because most of the time I don't pay them, and so I receive them, and then they are there, so I felt, like, really overwhelmed. I don't want to buy new stuff over and over just to change the design. It's just getting something unique and keep it for longer time. In this way, you're really reducing the the carbon print or whatever, or just in general, the crap that you have in your closet.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you take more pride in what you own. And I think what's also really important is the color palette that Iris works with on every additional season. So she makes sure that if you bought something from three seasons ago, it will still match the new season because obviously items wear out longer or you may only be able to invest in one pair of winter bib shorts and then you want to make sure that if you do then invest in a long sleeve jersey and a jacket that it all goes together from future collections so it just means that nothing in your cycling wardrobe becomes redundant um if you buy from from iris consistently you'll always have outfits that mix and match together and nothing becomes redundant because it doesn't doesn't match your tights or it doesn't match the new gilet that you have bought so um yeah and i think if you take pride in it and it kind of you can express your personality through your clothes you want to keep hold of them and make sure that they last as long as possible
0: no yeah absolutely absolutely that's that's really super super great going back to uh the revamp collection that is actually the thing we're going to talk also about the future but at the moment it's something like is the really the project that's shouts and actually super visible in these terms of uh, sustainability with all the work that is made actually in the background how difficult was to actually uh, to pick up and to reach and to get the uh, the material the fabrics that you got in order to make two things actually how difficult was to get all this particular material for the bags but also for the jerseys and the second thing is you actually, in this kind of situation, make the design out of the fabric that you already collected, or is the other way, or you are looking for something that, for the design that you have already in mind?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit two ways. So, first of all, on the backs, um, I'm a person, like, <laughs> like, I'm also moving, and uh, I have, my whole house is, <clears throat> like stocked with, with stuff because I save everything I still have clothes from when I was 15 years old because okay. I think they're all unique pieces <laughs> and uh, and I can't throw anything away because I always think like oh maybe I can use this for something else in the future so I had already a lot of material and people you know if they for example with the with the, with the surf uh, gear <clears throat> there's a friend of mine who, who had a like it was broken and he said it hey, is i have this surf uh, gear maybe you can use it for something and i said yeah i have no idea what yet but please give it to me yeah. i'll figure out something out so that's a part of the materials i had already a part um for example i made one bar bag myself out of a of a sleeping mat that i um uh, destroyed uh, while using it and um uh, so I thought, oh, this works perfectly fine. So I contacted uh, C2 Summit and I say, well, I would like to make barbacks from it. Do you have more of those? And then they had, and they were like, oh yeah, great, because we were just just about to throw them away next month. So uh, yeah, please have them. So there was also I, I searched for it, I asked for it, and there was stuff I had myself. And with the apparel, it's a little, it's a little bit of both. So. For example, the, the gravel T-shirt it was something I had in mind and I wanted to make, make and like I said, with the with the person I, I worked together on the fabric sourcing, I told her, like, this is an item I want to make, maybe there is something you've seen or you found or you know um, um, a fabric we could use for that, a, a, a leftover uh, fabric. And um, the arm armors, for example, was something that she said, hey Iris, I have this super nice fabric, uh, maybe you can make something of it. And first I thought, mm, maybe I can make like sport bras from it. And then I thought, well, maybe arm armors is, is, uh, is of something that fits my collection really well. So then we tried to make arm armors out of it, which was like a perfect material for it. So it's it's both uh, sometimes... I. With Merino, I, I really search for Merino um, uh, leftover materials, for example. Uh, but they're quite a little bit harder to find, which is a good thing if it's hard to find, because that means that most is really fully used. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's it's both both ways. Yeah, sometimes I have something in mind and sometimes I use it to actually come up with something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's super great and uh, super, super clear. Another thing that actually pops up into my mind. So, mm, I'm trying all the time, actually, to ask this question, not to put them down in a too harsh way, but I'm going to do it in an harsh way. Who cares? Everybody's talking about environment at the moment, right? And everybody's talking about sustainability and whatever. And the thing I was discussing about that with Ian from 7Mesh, uh, um, remember, seems like with this run against... and Towards, let's say, sustainability. Everybody's trying to use this keyword and actually maybe move the production into sustainability the sustainability part for kind of marketing reasons. In one word, the classic greenwashing thing so in this way it's super easy to say okay I am putting only bags that are recyclable or so work on still using the same model but just with bags that are recycled or recyclable or uh, I'm just using recycled plastic and whatever to do this in my humble opinion is kind of embracing the sustainability side it's still good but embracing the sustainability side on uh, from an easy way while trying to reuse, uh, use a circular model or everything like this, is a bit more complicated. For these reasons, so for this kind of complication, my point and my idea is that in order to make these things, it's way more important to create a network, a community. Community that is between producers, between brands and between customers for this reason actually it's more complicated to create these kind of things because the easiest way to make marketing is to divide embracing and networking to make a better production and a more sustainable production is a bit more complicated i believe uh, in order to sell more and to oversell other persons and other brands and stuff how do you think actually about that do you think as well that actually the the community side and even stronger relationship with your customers as well as a stronger relationship with other brands is important and do you think that many brands are doing that at the moment or
2: yes i think um i think what's really important for brands um is to not put all the responsibility on the customer um we need to take ownership and accountability to create products that enable them to be circular and enable um a more sustainable way of like using products and um, at the end of the day we still we still need those products as consumers um and then i think the second kind of part to your question is that that network and i think that was something that was really valuable to us in Circo um because we we did it with a lot of different um companies like rafa and shimano and Atherton bikes and Schwalbe tires. So there was a real mix of the industry. And we had some really good kind of breakout discussions where we were discussing the complexities of take back. So when you take back products and every individual company has to create their own um, cleaning solution and disassembly solution and repair program, and whether there are kind of opportunities for the network um, to, to solve those together. And there's actually some really interesting. Um, new companies coming up in that space so one that comes to mind is i think yellow octopus so they they actually run these so they offer those services to companies then it's not necessary on the consumer to send their iris item back to us and their raffer item back to raffer they could just send it to to one place and then it's much easier for everyone involved in that kind of chain stakeholders um so i think those conversations in the industry are happening and everyone what i really liked about the people that participated in circo was just that kind of openness to discuss everyone's strategies um like obviously there's always some business information that's confidential but in terms of the wider kind of um topics that need to be solved um in the apparel industry from the the breakout that we were in there was really open and honest discussion about how we could come together to solve those topics and stop kind of putting everything on the consumer and actually take accountability as brands selling the product.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I also like shout out to your podcast on the, on the sustainability topic, because I think that for me it's also been quite interesting to listen. And I know I contacted you early this year because I've been researching for a long time a better packaging solution instead of the poly bags and I heard um, only, only from Peppers, yeah yeah talking about it and I contacted him and he gave me the, the information about the paper uh, bags they were gonna use and which I'm which we are currently now also using with the new collection so uh, we don't need the, the, the plastic poly bags at all anymore, which which I think is really great. And also with shift uh, cycling culture, there's like this forum where where industry uh, like brands in the industry they share information or they put out discussions or questions. So I think that's a really really cool thing that we go away from that greenwashing and just doing just using i don't know recycled fabrics or whatever because we need to do it now because everyone is doing it but really because um we believe that it's our responsibility to uh to to make a change um so yeah i completely agree with you there uh yeah
0: yeah yeah no that's uh that's super interesting and super happy that actually there are people I don't let's say with putting actually the brand a bit more on the backside but people that are really caring about this thing and actually putting these topics that can be of course not today we're gonna we're talking about the sustainability topics but there can be also some other topics values that we all share inclusion and everything before really just the harsh competition side by putting these things in the middle probably With different brands, with different items, with different models and different approaches to business, for sure we can build up something. I put myself we just because I love to talk about that, even if I'm not producing these things. But yeah, I love to talk about that. And that's, and that's really great. Another thing that I want to touch base before talking about the future is uh, we actually uh, discuss briefly on how the model of Iris was already sustainable without using the word sustainability because of the small scale of the market, the small scale of the company that actually made um, the way of building up products that were sustainable in uh, an environmental way but also in a financial economical way because otherwise you cannot go out of it because small quantities and uh, etc that's a super important thing but What do you think, actually, so this was actually something like, um, let's say, a challenge that made out an opportunity for how the company grew. But what do you think is actually, for example, for a big company, but also for a small company, basically for a small company like yours, um, which one are the main impediments, the biggest challenges of making things a bit more in a sustainable way? And which other things are basically on the other side natural to make things in a sustainable way?
2: I think in terms of challenges, it's um, for us as a small company. It's that lack of expertise in-house. Um, so understanding the new innovations in materials that are biodegradable, for example, and being able to actually buy those materials and test them and create samples with them, which is quite um, costly for a small brand. Um, so we're always looking at ways to to kind of find those materials through dead stock but it'll take a while for those materials to be kind of end of life so that we can start testing with them um and then the second biggest challenge um particularly for iris as the product designer is how we can create products that are designed for disassembly and modularity and recycling and repair and reuse so trying to think about that actual initial design that makes it enables it to be circular rather than being a linear product. Um and then I think from a general kind of trend perspective, it's I don't think it's one that we feel as a brand because generally our customers are very sustainably conscious and are really conscious about what they're purchasing. But I think the bigger brands probably do kind of feel the pressure of having to create something new all the time and something that's a bit more high fashion and disposable and they're constantly reducing those timelines on concept to product. Um Whereas, yeah, we take the time that we need to get the right product that's going to hit all the objectives of the brand and uh, the sustainability requirements and the circular project that we're discussing now, you might not see it for two or three years because it will take us that long um to work out the right combination of materials and components and how it all comes together. Um, but bigger brands might have a pressure to deliver that in eight months or something. And um, you know, then they might have financial targets that they need to hit. And then so they've got to sell a core cool range that doesn't use the the right materials or I don't know. I'm just kind of making it up. But I think they're the biggest kind of challenges for from an apparel perspective. Um, and especially from a performance sports apparel where kind of i guess more specialist materials are needed to whether that's to keep you dry from the rain or warm from the cold usually these are mixed blended fabrics that are harder to recycle um so i think there's a lot of innovation that's required there from the suppliers on what materials we can use that still kind of have the same high performance sports like effect that we need and it's also up to the consumer if we're not going to be riding in the torrential rain do you really need the highest end performance rain jacket um maybe you actually only need a a warm jacket because as soon as it starts raining you're diving into a cafe or a bus stop or you've probably not even left the house so it's but it's always like if you if you see it and it's new and it's shiny you want it and it's just changing that consumer behavior as well i think when it comes to high-end performance apparel
0: yes absolutely cool uh, no, yeah, that's uh, that's super, super interesting. And uh, I was having this conversation about the challenges of design for more sustainable products. I was having exactly this conversation with Gavin in my episode number two of the Sustainable Conversation. I, I we were saying it's it's really exciting at the moment being a designer for this sport apparel at the moment. Because otherwise, until now, maybe some material have changed, I've changed or whatever, but Really, there is so much innovation that can be done starting from the user behavior and for the user need. So not just sparkling the um, the idea on what to use on have any kind of single items for any kind of possibility, but actually having the item for the possibilities for the things that you are doing and actually making this kind of thinking in this direction is a great challenge and a great opportunity for designers at the moment and... Uh, it's really it's really exciting being there
2: yeah for us as well and actually just getting our community involved so we've already run a workshop in Rotterdam called uh bibs for all booties and bodies um just to get input from our customers on exactly what they need and what they want for their different shapes sizes abilities etc um and we've just launched the school of rocks um which is powered by iris so that's getting more women off the road um, onto trails giving them the conf- confidence to ride their bikes um across different terrain and we're hoping to do some more workshops um with those women as well because again that's a different need to road cycling or racing kind of performance apparel um so yeah we kind of do really rely on that input from our and feedback from our customers um on what kind of products they want to see in the future and then we can start thinking about those in advance and designing different um, yeah, circular design strategies for those.
0: I just want to say two things and then I will actually ask the last question even if you answer me already a lot of times about that. The two things that I want to say I'm super happy first of uh, listening to all the great ideas that came out, out of your, um, of the circle uh, workshop, because you are not the first one. I actually also listened to the hit idea of a friend of mine. He works for one of those, I'm not going to say it here on records because it can be confidential. He works for one of those big companies for cy- bicycles. So one of the big ones in the uh, cycling world. And he actually came out He told me about an idea, about a project that is trying to pitch internally to make it happen and it's freaking exciting and knowing that actually the circular economy, the circular model is moving in this direction and big players are working on this direction, not only for easy things like the garments the items the apparels are but also bigger things is just exciting and i can't wait and super excited as well and super happy of living in the world that i'm living right now where there is so much innovation the second thing that i want to say is everybody there if you want to listen a bit more about the conversation and actually the conversation that lexi kicked out i mean the school of rock and actually the workshop about how did you call it um all pants.
2: fits for all booties and bodies. That's
0: perfect. Actually, you will find all the description and all the shoutouts or whatever in the stories part of the Iris website. It's super interesting. Uh, and I was reading that. I tried to go there and read uh, read that. Okay, I'm also subscribing. I'm a fanboy, so I'm also a subscriber of the <laughs> newsletter. So I like actually to listen on these kind of things. And actually also the School of Rocks is something that arrived to a different part of my network. But initiatives like those are many. And they're all the time well described on the stories section of Deere's website. So go there and look for that. Well, uh, I just... Promise you not to be so much longer than one hour. We are around one hour, so I want to ask you the last question: What's in the future? What's in the future in terms of uh, the sustainability side? What's in the future in terms of how, in which direction do you want to move in terms of the on the new production, on uh, actually new kind of features or whatever for the community? What's next?
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think Lexi already said that, said something about it, but but really the um, yeah, especially making products more uh, circular, um, and um, so that, like on the product side, um, maybe Lexi can explain it better. But really, I mean that community part is 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 really important, and I think um, uh, we've lear- really also learned with just by talking to customers with the school of rocks initiative with the workshops etc it's just really cool to especially see now so many new women discover or uh, i mean new uh, cyclists Um, and i think yeah lowering the boundaries of, of women to 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 ride, uh, to ride off uh on the road, uh, getting the right apparel, uh, getting affordable apparel. Uh, I think there's there is some um, opportunities there that we're working on uh, also in a, in a very sustainable way.
2: Um, yeah. And I think like through the community as well, we're discussing strategies around like take backs of products and um, to create essentially like a secondhand range for women who want to just try the sport and they don't want to buy into, um, you know, expensive new products. They just want to have something that works, is comfortable for them and can enable them to enjoy riding a bike without having a sore bum or getting a saddle sore and making sure that their boobs aren't juggling around while they're riding, you know. So we we want to discuss how we can actually take old product back, clean it and make it into second-hand gear that we can um sell on a really reduced price to our community members especially in the school of rocks so yeah there's um we've got some exciting ideas so we've got a lot of work to do to implement them all
0: <laughs> that's super great anyways they are reaching the point in a super super spectacular way at the moment so a lot of work but for now till now i can say super well accomplished and super happy for that Thank <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I just want to give also another couple, let's say, a little parenthesis. I want to open some brackets here. Okay, most of the items that are on the Iris website are for women, of course. But people, if you are like me and you are a fanboy like I am, you can find also something for men. And I remember that I was having this conversation with Iris two or three times already. Plus, I am a great supporter of the Super Future Females Um how do you call it? Something like a line. Let's put it in this way. So I have t- two T-shirts, and I think I have in my cart forever also the sweater. Probably now that the temperature <laughs> are dropping, uh, I'm gonna push the button and get it as well. <laughs> so yeah, you're gonna find something for <laughs> us as well.
1: And there's on the super future female thing. There's always new things also coming. Like we make very small batches with uh, with um, artists or illustrators. So there, there is we recently made a like a really funny pin uh, so there's always new things coming and all benefits will be donated to cyclist alliance to help um uh female cyclists um so yeah that, that's that are i think all these like smaller projects are are just like the most fun <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah that's very really great well thanks a lot for, uh, do you want to add anything
1: oh um no not really i mean um yeah it was just really nice chatting with you and i hope people enjoy it
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think just um you know if any other brands listen to this and want to work together or collaborate on sustainable initiatives um yeah we're more than open to having those conversations so yeah Yeah. happy to learn as well from other people so reach out
0: yeah that's great and i can actually say as well and use but f- feel free to use me as a pivot something like to to drop you also some communication stuff if anybody there as well, to know more about series and the brand and actually the projects or whatever feel free to contact me to put you in contact i think i can do it right yeah
2: definitely I'm
0: just giving myself a role that I was not allowed to do it but I probably need to ask the permission but anybody wants to know more about that use me as a pivot (laughs) that's perfect, I can filter out no I'm kidding, I'm not going to (laughs) filter (laughs) <laughs> cool um, cool everybody it was really really great pleasure to talk with you and uh, yeah hopefully talk soon with another project with another idea you, you both are doing so many things that i'm pretty sure that you're gonna be listened to again from people that are listening to this broom wagon podcast so yeah
2: cool thanks yeah thanks so much
0: ciao, ciao. have a great day
2: bye bye
0: <laughs> thanks a lot Tiris. thanks a lot lexi Thanks a lot for explaining us this awesome approach and also what circular design is. That's super interesting, it's super important, and I hope that this kind of approach is gonna take also into the major's world. We love small businesses, I really do, but I think that actually we're really moving the needle just when this approach is going into the major. And this is the example that many brands are doing, I'm not gonna go into the detail, and many other brands are getting in. And I'm super happy for that. I really hope everybody that this sustainable conversation made you understand a bit more what's going on out in the world and as well that you got some of the taste on how different can be an approach to sustainability. There's not only going into recycling material, there's not only going into not plastic bags and all these things. There are a lot of ways, you just need to get yours and don't think straight on the easy way. Probably the way is difficult, but on the other side, it's really fulfilling. Thanks a lot for listening to this sustainable conversation. Thanks a lot for all the guests of this sustainable conversation and of the all season number four of the Broomwagon. And thanks a lot to Komoot for supporting this episode and to everybody who drops some coins into my coffee account. It means a lot for me. It means a lot knowing that around there are people listening to my podcast and there are people appreciating it. And this happened to me most of the time. I was at Grand Duro this weekend and many people, people from the cycling world and the cycling industry and people just at our and passionate about uh, cycling and stuff, they will see me and they were saying, ah, look, but do you are Stefano from the Broom podcast. Yes, I am. And all the time that you see me or listen to my voice and it sounds familiar, approach me and just give me an high five. I think it's enough. I'm really doing it for you and to make this community a bit stronger. And I think that with the help of Commute, this community, it's really stronger because... They support me on this mission and many other little realities on doing the same. So thanks, Komut, for supporting me. And thank you, listeners, to doing it as well. Still continue. You have, I think, so this year we have made, I think, 34 episodes with this one, plus three trailers and in total I have 180 episodes. So there is a lot of backload that you can listen if you are feeling a bit lonely in the next couple of months. I think that actually I'm taking a break of a couple of months. Um, otherwise, remember that you can go through all the historical uh, booklets and bookmarks or something that you didn't listen because you took it aside or you were on vacation or whatever you didn't. Feel free to listen to that and feel free to shout it out to your friends, to your social media, and wherever you think you can do it. And remember that you can also, you, if you do it, I will be super happy, let's put it in this way, subscribe, rate, comment, do whatever you want in any of the platform where you're listening to this podcast. I will be super happy and I will really appreciate the help and the kick that your action is gonna make it to go up feel free to send me any of your tips or any of your comments calamarocc is my instagram account hello at calamarocc is my email you will find me there most of the time and until then if you want to support me just down here or in my instagram link in bio you will find the coffee link where you can really drop some coins and pay me a coffee, supporting the independence of this podcast. And you can also drop some coins in the COVID jar. This year, we collected already €450 that are going to go directly to Sea Watch, helping refugees not to die in the central Mediterranean. But my goal is to arrive at the end of this month. Thanks to your help, I put there 450 more. Uh, euros are from the listeners i would love to arrive at least to 500 because i think that this is a great support that we can all give to see watch so down here in the description or in the instagram link in bio you will find the link to drop some coin also in the covid jar until next time just give you huge hugs and feel free to ping me whenever you want Nothing more than that. No tears. I'm coming back soon. I will talk to you next time.